right, what do we got today? Today, we're going to cover a few mental models for... Aren't you going to introduce yourself first? Aren't you going to introduce, introduce me? I can introduce us. Okay. Who's talking? This is Kyle, and I'm with Greta. Hi. And I created these mental models because Greta got into Bitcoin investing, and I wanted to explain to her some of my ideas about it and why it might be good or bad or dangerous or successful, but I wasn't really very good at that. So I thought, how can I, how can I do better at this? So I created some mental models to think about Bitcoin in general and cryptocurrency. And why are we doing this audio? For a podcast? Yeah. Like a conversation. Like a conversation, yeah. Like a conversation. So, follow along. There's slides somewhere as well. <laughs> right on, right on. Okay, so the first mental model today is the circle of competence. Which is basically the idea that there's something, things you're good at, things you're not good at. And if you can draw this out, you can see who's good at this particular item or what you are actually good at. So let's say, take the example of Michael Jordan, his circle of competence. Let's say in the middle of the circle of competence is basketball. I don't know who else there, Who? what other haters think that LeBron James is better, Kobe Bryant's better. In my opinion, Kobe, uh, Michael Jordan is the best okay. basketball player of all time. At the edge of a circle of competence is baseball. Really? He played baseball. You know he played baseball? No, Two I years. didn't know that. Two years, minor league. Wow. So he probably knows a lot about baseball, and I would trust a lot of things he said about baseball, but it's really, if you really want to get the most, the best information about baseball, he's probably not the right guy for it. Okay. And then there's like hockey. It's outside a circle of competence. And then like tango dancing. Like that's just not. Even you and, further? That's even further probably. Like I wouldn't. I mean, he Whatever might... he has to say about tango dancing, I would not trust his advice on it. Really? He might be able to rip up the dance floor. As far as I know, he, he has no confidence <laughs> in tango dancing. Okay. Yeah. As far as, far as I know. So I really wouldn't, wouldn't trust too much of his opinion on that. So now when it comes to Bitcoin... Let's take a look at uh, the circle of competence for people in Bitcoin. And there's just like a whole lot of noise. Yeah, that's what we found. Every time we Google Bitcoin, so, so many different things pop up from um, just talking heads to, um, you know, people that want to do affiliate marketing. And we really don't mm -hmm. know where to turn to mm -hmm. get solid information. So right? I think you That's made problem. a list of different people, ways of learning about Bitcoin mm. because it was so. You looked on YouTube and there's affiliate marketing of people just pushing their idea for Bitcoin or why it was going to work or why it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. You go to news sites, CNN's got their own opinion about it. And even frankly, Reddit, even Reddit was just all over the place. Yeah, you've no idea who to trust there. No. So let's try to see if we can figure out what kind of. What kind of information would be useful? So, um, there's there's people who understand cryptocurrency, um, and there's people who understand investing. So we want to find people who um, understand cryptocurrency, understand investing, but don't have a conflict of interest. That's mm -hmm. the that's the general idea. So they can give us real good information. Okay. It's accurate, factual. So who are these people? Let's break this down. So anytime you run into someone, you can put them into one of these circles. And see whether they're someone you can trust or not. So someone for investing is Warren Buffett is usually very trusted in investing. Even though he might have some kind of conflict of interest with the companies he works with. But he's just got such a great track record. He's the oracle. Mm. But he's 
officially said he's sitting this out. He doesn't understand Bitcoin. So he's neutral. He's neutral on it, and he really doesn't have much to say about it. So whatever he's going to say is not going to be that useful. Mm. And there's a guy like Jamie Dimon. He's the CEO of J.P. Morgan. And he said it's a scam as recently as um, September. Okay. And you might be, okay, I'm now worried because this guy knows a lot about investing, but I don't think he really knows that much about crypto. Hmm. And he's got a major conflict of interest besides. Why does he have the conflict of interest? I mean, his all his investments are in dollars and euros and fiat currency. What's fiat currency? Fiat currencies are currencies like euros and dollars and pounds. Not cute little cars? Cute little cars. What do you mean? Fiats. No, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. That's a... That's, you can't. Well, I guess you could use fiat as a currency, but that'd be weird. We covered that in the last. <laughs> yeah, we covered lesson. that. That would probably not be. That'd be not like, very divisible. Not very divisible. Um, yeah. So yeah. Then there's um, there's there's a lot of noise out there. Like there's news anchors that are saying crypto's terrible, but I don't think they know anything about investing. I don't think they know anything about crypto, and their conflict of interest is. That they just want, if it bleeds, it leads. They need something to be scary. Mm, right. So you can't really trust CNN when it comes to crypto. That kind of that kind of all makes sense. And then there's the content marketing vids on YouTube. Some of them are for crypto, some of them are against, but some of them, they say, what do they say in the ones you watched? They they said all the alt currencies were great. I mean, he gave me his top five alt currencies, but they were all fabulous and then that really said Quote nothing. fabulous, he said. Everything yeah, was fabulous. everything was fabulous. And it's not really saying a whole lot. Yeah. So who understands something about crypto? There's Khan Academy. They had a lot of interesting things about crypto. Mm-hmm. I found them to be really technical, though. Yeah. So without a mathematics degree, mm. there there was this black box um, in in their diagrams that, even and since I didn't know what was going on in that equation, it was really hard for me to mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. the verbiage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great thing about the Khan Academy, I think they don't have that much of a conflict of interest. It's really just an educational mm-hmm. platform. Here's how it works. We don't yep. really have an p- opinion on this. But they don't really understand much about investing either. So it's not that that useful as well as in whether you should, whether it's a good place to invest now or not. Right. So if you want to learn the mechanics of it, the technical side, yeah. try yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So then there, there's, I found some guys um, who, they understand crypto. Um and maybe have a bit of a, a conflict of interest. Maybe they understand investing or not. But so the, the, there's guys like Preston uh, Byrne. He's a lawyer. I don't think he really understands investing that much. He understands crypto, and he's very he's very wary of it. And I think he's got pretty good articles about it. Okay. Um, he's not really he's not really the perfect situation because he's he does have a conflict. Where, where do you find these guys? He's this is on Twitter. So if it says at in this diagram, it's somewhere on Twitter. Okay. So you can follow them there, and they post their articles there. Uh, there's Hacker Noon, who's they've got a lot of information about crypto, very pro crypto. Who are, not, who are they? An organization? Or? It's a it's a publication on Medium. Oh okay. Yeah, Roger Veer. Um, who is he again? Didn't so he was the first in, he was the first investor in cryptocurrencies. Um, he's very he's a creator of Bitcoin Cash. Obviously, has a very biased view on Bitcoin Cash. That's the future, and Bitcoin is not. Um, there's a guy I found, he's got a website called WooBull.com. WooBull.com. He's got really interesting uh, graphs predicting. We'll get into that actually later on. Okay. And Bull then, market. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looks good. Yeah. And there's a few investors who are involved in Bitcoin, Naval, Ravikant, Chris Dixon at Andreessen Horowitz. 
I think those guys have really good articles. Um, so who who do we go to here in this diagram? So ideally, ideally, you want someone who doesn't have a conflict of interest, but there's not really they don't really exist. Um, people who don't have a conflict of interest but understand Bitcoin and investing, like there there's there they just don't exist. There is this. Uh, venture capitalist in Silicon Valley called Vinod Kosala, who supposedly said, no conflict, no interest. It's like, if, mm. does that make sense? Why don't you go, go further with that? Yeah, if, if uh, someone doesn't have a conflict, if they don't understand, if they don't have a vested interest in something, there's no reason why they would actually learn about it in the first place. So gotcha. it's pretty much impossible to find this this perfect. So overlap. everyone has a bias opinion. Everyone's got their own bias, and the people who know the most have the most bias um. because they're the ones who have some vested interest in it going one way or the other way. So, so anyway, yeah. So as, as you run across people, you can use this diagram to try to figure out where they fit, and if it's, you know, they don't understand crypto, then it's kind of not very useful. Yeah, they don't understand investing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? I like it. It really helps me see visually where people lie. Um, and you used a Venn diagram here mm -hmm. to overlap the different circles of competency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So someone's got competence in cryptocurrency and investing. It really helps me. I mean, seeing it like this, it just it's a time saver, really. I feel like I want to... Um, learn the most amount of information quickly. <laughs> right, yeah. And I don't want to waste my time watching YouTube videos or or reading articles that are just kind of leading me to become more confused and um, I want to educate myself so I can create my own opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, not just listen to the opinions of others. Right. Bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a mess out there right now, honestly, in terms of information. All right. Does that wrap up Circle of Competence? Yeah, I, I think like so. It. I think For it's crypto. really helpful. Cool. Cool. The next topic today is... Oh, we got two topics today. We got today. two topics today. Oh, you didn't tell me this. It's a double header. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. It's All a... right. All right. So next mental model is... Second order effects. So, second order effects. So, what was our first mental model? The very first one. Yeah. It wasn't second order effects. No, what was it? I don't remember. What it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I gotta have a mind of like a, a jelly goldfish. You're mouthing things to me. I don't remember. First principles. First principles. Yeah, yeah. First principles. Does this? Does this? Um... Does this have to do with first principles at all? Yeah, it's okay. true. It does. Right, cool. So everything kind of connects. So you're just gonna throw me under the bus there, not remembering which which we did before. <laughs> you gotta be transparent here. People need to know who to trust. That's true. <laughs> Don't trust me. Whatever you do. <laughs> okay. So yeah, this is this is a, I guess I suppose another way of getting at uh, first principles, um, second order effects, second order thinking. Um, Successful people consider not only the trends, but what the trends cause. These second-order effects often dwarf the original trends. 
So mm. a way to think about this is selling shovels in a gold rush. Okay, you were explaining this to me on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, someone discovers gold in Alaska, California. Mm. A bunch of people come to, um, you know, find their, their treasure. Which is the first order effect. First order effect. But um, the, the smart people, what do they do? They sell shovels to the gold miners. Why is this important? Yeah, they sell things that the gold miners need. Mm -hmm. So any simple person can say, oh, gold, I should mine the gold. But it takes a much more sophisticated person to say, what will that rush cause? Mm. And what do those people need? And in the end of the day, uh, the first order effect, it's not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. They might not get their gold. It's pretty risky. It's high risk. But a second order effect, like the shovels, is low mm -hmm. risk because... Um, Everyone needs a shovel, mm -hmm. not just the gold miners. Right. Right? And now you have the capacity of machining uh, shovel heads and making shovel shafts. So but that's a technology you can apply to lots of different things. So you're mm -hmm. not really screwed if there's no gold. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in theory, the guys who made the shovels, the jeans and whatnot, made all the money. All right, so, so here's uh, two, uh, two examples. Uh, the second order effects of the subprime mortgage crisis were an order of magnitude greater than the original losses. One trillion in bad mortgages caused 8.3 trillion in losses in the U.S. alone. So you'd think that, oh, I don't have a subprime mortgage. That's not going to be a problem for me. Um, but unfortunately, if you had a job in the auto industry, you ended up being screwed because people couldn't buy cars and whatnot. Um, so there's lots of other effects that no fault of your own. Hmm. So this is dealing with loss. This yeah, effect sure. Is the effect of loss. It's true. Yeah, the other, the other one's gain. Right. Okay. But it could be either way. It could be either way. Yeah, so lots of, I think the economy, gross domestic product reduced by 40%. Um, unemployment went up by some amount. I don't know. Um so effects can go either way, gain or loss. Yeah. And it's really, this was more like a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So the bad loans were pretty small, but the total losses were massive mm -hmm. for the economy. The outer circle of the ripple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so another one, another example is second order effects of Moore's Law. You know, you know Moore's Law? No, I don't. Moore's Law is that the number of computations um, the computers can do doubles every 18 months and the price halves every 18 months that's true yeah and oh. it's been happening since forever as far as we can go let's go back more it doubles yeah doubles yeah yeah so it's exponential it's exponential it's exponential yeah and it's highly predictable too so he pre predicted this i think in the early 70s when there's only a trend of um 10 years or so uh -huh. and it's held true ever since and people keep on saying moore's law is going to stop because we're not going to be able to fit enough transistors onto a chip. And then they started making dual-core and quad-core chips. Um, and people are like, oh, eventually you're going to run out of space. And then their quantum computing is coming up down the road. So then there's DNA computing. So, that yeah. sounds a little scary. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like it's going to keep on going. And if you extrapolate back past 1960, past there were original computers, the computation keeps on going back that way. Like abacuses, things like that. You can actually project it all the way back wow. to like the Stone Age. It's pretty incredible, yeah. So it's like it's 
It's pretty much a law. So Okay, so how does the second order effect apply to Moore's law? So the Moore's laws, it's this very predictable trend for computational power. Um, and But the effects, it seems pretty benign, just more computers. You're like, all right, more computers, that's great. But if you're a taxi company, um, by the time computers can fit into a pocket, it means that apps like Uber are possible and Lyft, which puts those guys out of business. So a savvy taxi cab company, the owner should have looked at Moore's Law and said, once computers fit into a pocket, we're going to be in deep trouble. We should do something about this. But of course they didn't, because they didn't even think about the second order effects of this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, or uh, Walmart or Sears, once computers can fit into a pocket, that means people can buy things anywhere. That means uh, online shopping, all shopping will be done by phones, so they don't need stores, so now what? So, so people saw this. Gone. Yeah, retail. It's like they could have seen this coming a mile away, but they didn't. Um, and, they, and they didn't do anything about it. So, so it's, it's you know totally totally predictable. Um, computers fit into a room in 1960. They fit on a desk in the uh, mid 70s. They fit in a pocket by 2000 and um, what's going to 10 happen or so, 2006. In 10 years, where are they going to fit? Well, they'll fit in a human ear. And it seems like anything that can be done is done. So once you can fit a whole computer in an ear, what will that be? What will the second order effects of that be? And once, the, once uh, computers can do more computations for $1,000 than a human brain, where does that put human brains? We're not really that useful anymore. So what are the second order effects of that? Computers taking over the world. Computers taking over the world. Or if it's Making. in your ear, then you don't, you don't really need a screen anymore. So maybe screen businesses or companies are out of business because that's, you know, so old. It just fits in your ear. It's talking to you, you know? Mm -hmm. It'll still need to see, though. So yeah. maybe um, you'll need to wear, like, a Google Google glasses. You'll yeah, you yeah, so, need that type of screen. yeah. yeah. So that would be a shovel you could sell, like, smooth transitioning to that mm -hmm. area. What will it do for, like, dating apps or presentations? You, I mean, everyone in the room can just kind of upload everything into their ear, ears and eyes, really. Mm -hmm. So um, people will be able to share information automatically, almost like sharing a brain. Yeah. What happens when computers get so small they can fit in the corner of your eye without you noticing and then it's just projected on your contacts? I think there'd be a lot of privacy issues. Somehow they always get over them, right? They always they always overcome them. The privacy issues. They're never they're never substantial enough. Everyone's decrying how Facebook's using your information. I don't see people running away from Facebook. There's always news about it, but People prefer the convenience over the privacy, it seems. Maybe that's something that we'll uh, sacrifice. Privacy? Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like we can sacrifice convenience. Yeah, so what other business... Well, what, I mean, and what is Bitcoin going... Where is Bitcoin going to fall with privacy and convenience? I don't know. Doesn't Bitcoin provide privacy? Ish, not really. Not that much privacy. Once you know the address, you know 
who's connected to the alias. Isn't that supposed to be private? Not really. No, it's public. That's the whole point. It's on a public ledger. Right, but the So identity. everyone knows the connecting Greta to one, two, three, four ABC yeah. is not known until it's known and then but the thing is, you know, you once you buy something here, there and there, it's pretty easy to point pinpoint that this must be Greta. Unless I'm not I'm not sure what kind of uh, privacy you're using. Are you using a Tor browser and uh you know, you're not using a Tor browser? Mm, probably. No. Yeah. From your IP address, someone can figure out who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then what's going to happen with the second order effects of crypto? Second order effects of cryptocurrency. So let's use second order thinking to figure out what businesses will be forced to close and better yet, what kinds of shovels we can sell to gold miners, so to speak. What shovels can we sell to people? Cypherpunks. Cypherpunks? Well, they were going beyond cypherpunks now. This is this is like mass consumers. What do they need? Just like maybe who's uh, providing invoice financing in bitcoins? Who's providing? Who's selling avocados in bitcoins? You know, all these different. Who's selling furniture? Who's willing to accept a uh, bitcoin in exchange for furniture or whatnot? Like, what? Whether who's selling the wallets? Who's selling the wallets? Yeah. That that's kind of gold has already been mined, so to speak. Someone's already selling encrypted wallets. You know, it'd be a pretty competitive market, but maybe someone's going to make a lot of money there. Right on. All right. So if we just look at the market capitalization of cryptocurrency over the last four years. It's gone up by a hundred x. What's market cap again? Market capitalization. That's the value of all cryptocurrencies. Okay. So you own. Whatever, say you own a thousand dollars, I own a thousand dollars, that's two thousand. If you combine all the other the value of all the other currents cryptocurrency everyone else owns in the world, mm -hmm. it would be right now it's over a hundred billion dollars. Okay. And, and that's and if, expected to Who knows what's gonna do? Here's what I'm saying. Perhaps if we project it out like Moore's Law and say that every four years it'll go up by a hundred X. Then in um only just a few years, eight years, it will have it'll be greater than the value of all of global real estate in the world. In four years, the value of market capitalization, the market capitalization of cryptocurrency will be greater than the market cap of gold and the market cap of dollars. So what? So that's crazy. What type of effects will that have? Yeah, what kind of effects will that have? Well, if, if it's like if you're getting applying to university right now to get a finance degree, and the finance degree is going to be all about using fiat currency. Again, that's dollar, currencies like dollars and euros. By the time you graduate in four years, cryptocurrency will be, will be bigger than fiat currency. So you'll have a, you'll have a degree that's useless. Mm. And even if it doesn't grow this fast, by the time, you know, say you're 38 was when you're in your prime as a manager of uh, some, some fund, by the time you're 38, that's 20 years from now. Crypto is going to completely take over that market. So what type of... Do you have any advice? Again, I mean, don't listen to my advice. I'm not really an expert in any of this, but... <laughs> it it seems like... thinking yeah. how they can... Um... Yeah, what are the... I mean, the thing is, what are the second-order effects? How does this affect your industry? Mm. Let's say you're an avocado salesman or whatever... 
how does Bitcoin affect your current your industry? How does it affect real estate? Mm-hmm. If you're, um, yeah, if you're selling cars or if you're a nonprofit, um, how does it affect? Let's say so you're a nonprofit, you get all your money from wealthy donors. Let's say the dollar crashes because of this. You'd need to be able to accept donations in crypto. That's pretty easy to do, but you need to completely change the base of who you're getting money from. So I think 94% of all Bitcoin is owned by like 0.1% of addresses. So like it's, the wealth inequality is way worse than for the dollar, so to speak. So those are the guys who have all the money now. So as a nonprofit, you're going to be barking up the wrong tree if you're looking at people who've got lots of money right now. Mm. Possibly, right? Okay. Um, if you're looking to get a degree right now, which, I mean, you know, Greta, I'm not really that big of a fan of getting degrees. Um, but, yeah, you might be having $100,000, $200,000 in debt for a degree that's completely useless in a few years. Um, we talked before about don't invest more money in Bitcoin than you can lose because we don't, Bitcoin might completely crash. The market cap for Bitcoin is going up, but it's losing, it's not growing as fast as it used to. But if you combine all the market caps of all the crypt, all the currencies, it's, you know, it's got this exponential growth rate still, which hasn't slowed down at all. But if you, if you put in more than you can lose, that could be a problem. But if you don't put what in, if we don't put anything in, then... you don't put anything in, if you don't put in as much as you can lose, you also might be screwed the other way, where the dollar completely loses value. And it's, it seems like a, this horrific situation, and it seems implausible, but it happened before where currencies completely lost all their value. Imagine the U.S. can't pay their, our debts anymore because the dollar's lost value, which is totally plausible. You've seen the debt going up, right? Yes. And... Uh, if, if the dollar, as long as the dollar is strong, it's not a problem. We can keep printing. But uh, if the dollar starts to slip in value, then we can't pay our debts. Then the dollar slips in more, slips even further. We still can't pay our debts. Slips even further. We're defaulting. The dollar completely collapses. This could be like the Weimar Republic in uh, in Germany, post World War One. Germans had so much debts to pay after the war that they kept printing more dollars so that people. And they were carrying them in. Wheelbarrows. Yeah, carrying them wheelbarrows. I'm not sure I shared this story before, but there was a teacher of mine. She said her great grandmother was carrying um, their currency. What was it? Marks, I guess they had. And um, in a basket. In a basket. She left it outside the store. Such a big basket. She couldn't take it inside the store. Full of full of bills. She came out. The basket was gone. All the money was dumped on the ground because <laughs> the basket was more valuable than the money inside. And it's not like Germans are bad with money. Like they're really good, and they still messed it up. You know, in Zimbabwe, it's now, it was like several trillion Zimbabwean dollars to the U.S. dollar. Yeah. So it's the same situation there. And these aren't stupid people. You don't become a dictator for 30 years because you're stupid. You might be immoral. You might be evil. You might be corrupt. You might have, like, the power gone to your head. But you're not stupid. So, and... This and, is really, a, it's not within one person or one government's control. What? Crypto? Currencies. Oh, currencies. Yeah, currencies in general. Yeah, not one person's control. And yeah, there's definitely questions about whether the Federal Reserve is really the best system for this. We saw what happened in the housing bubble. So we just mentioned that 
it's not really a perfect system, pretty flawed, and might be even more flawed than we think it is. So, so yeah. So now I think so it's only one. So you're screwed if you do. You're screwed if you don't. <clears throat> Maybe or or, or or use second order thinking. <laughs> What's going to happen? What's going to happen to your industry? My industry. Sure. What's going to happen to your industry? Teaching or writing. Yeah. How would you take advantage of second order effects of? crypto boom I would start uh, teaching people about Bitcoin oh yeah oh wow perfect <laughs> <laughs> and accepting Bitcoin for my classes mm -hmm. I guess kind of what we're doing now yeah yeah it's been like that it's been like that yeah there's all kinds of businesses that can be made and businesses that will totally get screwed, like uh, the value, the market cap of Bitcoin is greater than Visa currently. Visa is a massive network. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's uh, halfway to the market cap of Apple. Maybe we could start making crypto credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just put your money on your debit card and, it, you know, you put $10 on... A few days later, it's $100, and then uh, you can spend your money. And it's, <laughs> you could do that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Uh, those effects shall be, shall be interesting. So it could really affect everyone. And before, before making this graph, I thought, you know, invest as little as possible, but just a bit would be interesting. And now I'm thinking, if you invest nothing, you're also in really deep trouble. Because it's completely upend. How this works, and in and investing on Bitcoin might not be the best solution, but keeping maybe an altcoin. Altcoins, yeah. And you can't have perfect information, but if you check how these currencies are doing every week, you're doing better than ninety nine percent of the people in the world. So, yeah. What do you think? Was this surprising to you? Uh the the fact that the market cap is higher than Visa is surprising to me. It's just. Um seems like it's invisible and when something's invisible it's difficult to it's not tangible mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't understand the mechanics behind it you mm -hmm. know it's hard for them to wrap their head around um, mm -hmm. but it's that doesn't mean it it's not there and it doesn't mean it's not going to start affecting mm -hmm. things very quickly in our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you think of the projection is that that's ridiculous the projection of it um, yeah. being more valuable than the real estate market yeah um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe, but. It, it seems like it can't just keep, just like Moore's Law, it can't just keep on increasing by 100x every, every four years. Or, or can it, if people believe in it more? Yeah, it's, it's, crypto is not just about money, it's also about contracts as well. So let's say you're a lawyer, there's not much need to, for your services, I think people uh, because you have Ethereum can build contracts. With are sick Ethereum. of paying fees, mm -hmm. bank fees, right? Third party fees. So, I think crypto is going to offer an opportunity, or Ethereum. Mm -hmm. That might become very popular for people to save money. 
Mm. Yeah. And what about energy markets? Because now the mining power for Bitcoin... Oh, you need to uh, buy a dam? Yeah, you need to buy a dam. No, more than that, the, the current amount of mining power at peak times is more than the country of Morocco uses. And, you know, that'll keep going up, so... What does that mean for energy? For GE. Yeah. Who can provide enough energy to make it worth this? Is solar even enough anymore? Mm. Um, yeah, how does that affect that? We'll always it's be- like, should we grow crops or should we mine Bitcoin? It becomes a tough... It's like, well, it's more profitable to mine Bitcoin. But there are, there are new cryptocurrencies coming out that don't require much electricity to mine oh really yeah. so those might be the eco current crypto yeah like litecoin doesn't require as much um that's the eco-friendly model that's the game <laughs> currency yeah it doesn't require the, it doesn't the proof of work is different yeah yeah the mining is less intensive so mm. lots of things on the horizon to think lots about things on the horizon so think about that how does that affect your industry how do the second order effects of crypto affect your industry? What you do, what you're studying, what your family does. I don't want to see, when I go home for Christmas, I don't want my family to, you know, not tell them. And in four years, they're like destitute, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be great to hear back from people, see how they think it'll affect their industry. That's true. Post, let us know. Is that a wrap? That's a wrap. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.